And rather than look at the issues of homosexuality, which everybody sort of associates with that, I want to consider the characters of Lot and his wife. And you might think that's a bit of a cop-out. But actually, if we limited it to homosexuality and debauchery, then I guess all of you would go, well, I'm not homosexual, so that does not apply to me. But if we look at Lot and his wife, I think we'll find it's very fertile territory. Because I've been looking at this and going, oh dear, John, you are just like Lot. Um, Which is uncomfortable. But there are three things that I'd like to get away, uh, to get across today. Those is really, we can't manage to maintain our spiritual, uh, remain spiritually sound without support. We need the church. We can't have a foot in both camps. We can't be with God and also with other things. And sometimes we need to just let go of things that have gone in our past in order to have that new life which is looking forward. So that's the bit I get from this story. Just to take us on a little bit, Abraham had been instructed by God to leave his native country, his relatives and his father's family. And it says right at the beginning that Lot went with him, suggesting really Lot wasn't a part of this plan. And later, because there was insufficient grazing from both of their herds, Abraham suggested that they separate and each go their own way. And he offered Lot the the choice in which direction to go. And he chose the fertile plains of the River Jordan and camped near Sodom. And I think it's worth noticing the generosity of Abraham towards Lot in letting Lot have that choice. Uh, And Lot chose what appeared on the surface to be the place where he was going to get the easiest living. He probably had no idea at that time that he would end up giving up his religion. And his move was probably prompted by worldly advantages with no intention of losing anything whatsoever. After that, there'd been a war and Lot had been captured Abraham mounted a campaign and rescued him and all his possessions. I note again the caring nature of Abraham and the carelessness of Lot, if you like, because if Lot hadn't been living in Sodom, he wouldn't have been captured. And then there was a time when Abraham was visited by the three angels and told that he was have a son. Two of the angels then were instructed to go off to Sodom, where um, Lot lived. And God explained to Abraham that there were stories of bad behavior about Sodom coming to him. And he wanted to investigate. Anticipating, I think, that God intended to destroy Sodom, Abraham once again came to Lot's rescue Uh, by gaining agreement from God that he wouldn't destroy Sodom if he could find at least ten good men. So I think Abraham is always rescuing uh, Lot. And today's story then picks up where two of the angels meet Lot at the city gate. They know where to find him. 
at the gateway to the city. He is neither in nor out. And that reminds me, Paul, of that sermon that you did so ages ago about Loedicea, where the water was lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, and the church was perceived as being neither hot nor cold. Lot is in the same position, really. He's neither with God's ways, nor is he with entirely with Sodom's ways. He's got a foot in both camps, for want of a better expression, trying to make the most of what he can, I guess. And some time ago, when I was studying with the OU, learning about organisations, uh, there was a group of people that really struck a chord with me, and it's strange that this is sort of 15 years ago, yet I'm still going, I remember those people, <laughs> because I'm going, oh dear. Um, but they were known by these researchers as peripheral participants. The characteristics of these people is that they move from organisation to organisation, going around. They never belong to any one organisation, and nor are they trusted by any one organisation because they are always moving around, transmitting information from one to the other. And from the organisation's point of view, it's good when that person comes because they're finding about information from there, but of course when they leave and go off to another organisation, they're telling that organisation's secrets and passing them on. Now, in that learning sense, that's seen as good, but in the spiritual sense, it's a bit like contamination. If we were mixing with Sodom's people, we got contaminated by the, the ways of the devil, if you like. So I don't see that as being... Uh, like a learning thing in a positive way but similar idea Lot was again neither with God nor fully with the Sodomites and we're all tempted aren't we we're all tempted to chase these things of this modern world and I don't know if I've told you before but I've certainly told this to the study group uh, maybe more than once um, but when I lived in Aqaba in Jordan uh, I reached a point where I really, really hated my job. And I became fixated on the money that we could save. And after a time, it really started to get to me. I started to feel dirty. I started to feel like I was prostituting myself. I was selling my soul. And I don't know if you can imagine what it feels like when you acknowledge that you're actually betraying yourself that's not nice and I felt very uncomfortable I started to talk to people how I felt, talk to people how I felt but the odd thing is I didn't do anything about it I killed, still kept taking the money and it was like hooked and eventually it, it came to an end but it doesn't stop there. That was an example for me, if you like. But our current world, world is full of, dare I say, mini-gods. We've got, uh, we follow celebrities on Twitter. We follow them on Facebook, on other social media. And we become addicted to IT, which feeds us with all sorts of possibly contaminated information. 
We might say that we live, in a sense, we could say that we live in or in close proximity to Sodom by just living in the world that we currently live in. So, come back to Lot. What did he do when he saw the angels? Because the angels saw him first, but what did he do when he saw the angels? It says, when he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet, spend the night, and go on your way very early in the morning. Oh, they answered. We will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Do you know, I get the impression that Lot knew who these angels were. He wanted to honour them. But not only did he know who the angels were, he also knew the city of Sodom. And I think he was concerned for the safety of these angels, which is why he said, come into my house. But also, kind of feeling very guilty and didn't want the angels to really understand how much Lot had been corrupted by this city of Sodom. It's like, I don't want to do that. I'm feeling really, really uncomfortable. And notice that Lot suggested that they get on their way early in the morning before Sodom wakes up. They won't see what it's really like. Please go. And we've all been in that situation, haven't we, where we always try to portray ourselves as being really good and we don't like people to see the other bits of it. And I remember, you know, whenever we had a surprise visitor to the house, my mum would have this mad flurry round the lounge, flushing up the cushions, getting magazines and hiding them under the seat cushions, all that sort of thing. And I remember one day, uh, my mum was a new Christian, uh, I was about 23 at the time, and the pastor came with an unannounced visit. So my mum had this mad, mad flurry. What she failed to see, that my brother had just bought a copy of that record, Jetame, you remember that? Scandalous record of the 1960s, so indecent that the BBC wouldn't even play it. And there it was. And she didn't see it until they both sat down. And it was right in front of the pastor. <laughs> and she was like, oh. <laughs> and, you know, and I think the thing that made it really worse for her was that the next Sunday, he was preaching about, you'd be surprised about what you find in people's houses. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she was really squirming. But I'm not trying to criticise my mum. I think we all recognise in ourselves in that little bit there, aren't we? Uh, and, you know, she tried to get away with out the pastor seeing what she was right. And, and Lot was trying to get away without the angels seeing what he was like. And did he get away with it? The next bit was before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of this city of Sodom both young and old, surrounded the house. They called Lot. Where are the men that you came with last, uh, that came last night? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. 
Lot went out to meet them, shut the door, and said, you can imagine Lot here, can't you? He's going out. He doesn't want these angels to know what's going on, so he's sort of shutting the door behind him, and they're almost whispering, no, my friends, don't do this terrible thing. Have my daughters instead, hoping that they'll go away. Um, but can you imagine what that was like? He'd got himself into a terrible predicament, really. And effectively, they were under siege. Can you, there's emphasis there. Look, all the men, every part of the city, young and old, there's a huge emphasis saying, that's a lot. How intimidating that must have been for Lot. And, you know, we, we might ask, how could Lot possibly offer his daughters? He was in a lose-lose situation. And the question that I ask is, not that one, but how did he get into this mess? That's the key question. And the answer is fairly simple. He, uh, the word's gone from me, he compromised himself. That's how he got into this situation. He made that first decision to move to Sodom. No intention, as I said before, of losing his strong faith, with the ever, but with the ever-present temptation that is around him, Sodom, around us, in the general world, and without, the key thing is, without the proximity of Abraham's wisdom, support, his faith eroded bit by bit. And I think that's what happened with Lot, and that's what can happen with us if we don't have the support that we get from church. So, how did the Sodomites respond to Abraham's plea? Get out of our way! Huh, this fellow came as a foreigner and now he wants to be judge. We'll treat you worse than them. And they kept bringing pressure on Lot. Recall what I said earlier about these peripheral participants. They're not part of anybody, not considered to be part of anybody. And we see straight away it's evident that Lot was not a sodomite and not one of them. And they turned on him straight away. And clearly he wasn't one of them because if he had been, he'd have gone yeah, that's a good idea. Let's have sex with these two men. So he's clearly separating himself in that sense. Um, and what I'm trying to say is, you can't have a foot in both camps. You can't be a sodomite and a man with the angels in this case. You've got to be one or the other. Uh, so Lot was in this terrible predicament and the angels rescued him says the man inside reached out and pulled Lot back in the door and then struck the men with blindness so that they couldn't find the door so the angels rescued him and the men then said to Lot do you have anyone else here son-in-laws sons or daughters anyone else in the city who belongs to you get them out because we are going to destroy this place the outcry 
to the Lord against them is so great he has sent us to destroy it. So we see in there that Lot's attempt to hide the truth from these angels failed. Even though the angels never even left his house, they witnessed enough for them to discover the truth. And it's a case of we can't actually hide these things that we might try to hide. We won't manage it. But still, they offered safety to Lot and his family, and you might ask, why? Why would they do this? If we see at the end of the chapter, we see that it's because God knew that Abraham cared about Lot, and God was keeping faith with Abraham because Abraham kept faith with God. And you'd think, given this warning and everything that was going on, that Lot would leave in a hurry, go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go. But he doesn't, does he? He hesitates. The angels have to grab them by the hand and drag them out. And then point, go up there. And then Lot goes, oh, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> How much patience does God have to have with us? And the answer is, tons because we fail so often don't we I don't want oh no please don't ask me to do that um, and Lot escapes eventually Lot escapes but then we come to Lot's wife she's just a little bit different to Lot the angel's instruction then was flee for your lives and don't look back Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. She became stuck. Her life had been saved, yet she looked back to her old life. She became stuck, unable to move. And this happens to us too, quite often, I think. Perhaps we've been treated badly by someone we can't let go of our anger that we feel about it maybe we've become addicted to something and to be honest most addictions are related to some sort of psychological wound that we've had in the past but money, alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever we know that it's harming our relationship with ourself like me with chasing the money, it was damaging my self-esteem, it damaged my relationship with Margaret, and at that time I didn't have a relationship with God, but had I done, it would have damaged that. We can't look back and look forward at the same time. And as I've got older, I've come to accept that we live in our life and then something, someday, something happens. Something changes our life. It's whether it's a doctor's diagnosis, um, a marriage breakup, someone dies, someone is born, those sort of things. But after that event, it's like a sword coming down. After the event, you cannot go back. There is only forward to go, or we get stuck. One of that's the choices that we have. And this happens, and you can move forward as uh, you can get stuck like 
Lot's wife, or we can move forward trusting in God that God has done this for a reason. And it happens here very much in our physical world, but it happens, happens too in our spiritual journey. We can get stuck. And I can't help but think that our physical life and our spiritual life are just so intertwined that they're actually very difficult to separate. And I just want to see a little bit about what Jesus had to say about this. And I've gone to Luke 17, 20, and he's talking about the coming of the kingdom of God. Now, I know it might be a bit contentious, but what I'm trying to say here is we can look at the coming of the kingdom of God as a global event, something that's going to happen in the future. Or we can look at the coming of the kingdom of God as an individual, as like a born-again event in in our own life, where we choose to accept God into our life. So I kind of look at it as possibly meaning both things. So, once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, from that, in your midst, I'm kind of thinking, what he means is, it's here, it's now, all around us. The big thing is, have we taken that into our hearts. Have we taken God into our hearts? And then he goes on, he talked about Noah and uh, the flood and follows on. And it was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating, drinking, buying, selling and building, in other words, carrying on with their lives. But on the day that Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down and destroyed them all. It was that sword, if you like, coming down, changed everything. And he says then, it will be just like this on the day Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them, and no one out in the field should go back to get anything. Now I'm looking at this is if you decide to accept God into your life then you need to not go running back retrieving something from your old life and trying to transport that into your new life with God because if you do you actually won't have a new life with God that's what he's meaning and he follows that through then where Jesus says right at the end remember no remember Lot's wife but whoever tries to keep their life will lose it and what he's saying is if you try to keep those elements of your old life you will lose this new life but if you let that old life die then you will have a new life And it seems very paradoxical, but actually, I find it straightforward. 
And I'm hoping that out of that we can see that we find it difficult and Lot lost his spiritual faith without support. And I think we do too. We can't have a foot in both camps. We can't be with God or without him. We have to be one or the other. And in order to be with God, we actually have to let go. And letting go, not just of bad things, but letting go of wounds that we have had, that other people have done to us, if you like. Let go of those grievances. There is only one life to live, and that's the one that's ahead.